Greetings, geeks, and welcome to the Geek Embassy's Summer Blockbuster Podcast Series. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, and I'm here today with Mark Schull and Ryan Broom from the Hello. Geek Embassy. Yay, say hi, guys. Hello. Hello, guys. And we are going to be talking about some of the big summer blockbuster movies this summer. And we're launching this series this month of May with, I think, the big movie, or at least one of the first big movies, right, for the summer series, the summer yeah. season? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Because yeah. May is kind of early for, you know, summer. And I think the only other real big one this month that I can think of is Aliens Covenant, which started tonight. So. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So. Nice. Nice. All right, so let's get your overall impressions. What do you guys think? I think I think Ryan should go first. <laughs> uh, well, I went into it not expecting, you know, for it to be super awesome. You know, I was afraid it was going to be the Baby Groot show, and it was just going to be a little too too cutesy. And I was really quite pleased that they kind of got that big bulk out of the way at the very beginning uh, of the movie. Uh, just kind of with the introduction and, you know, that whole battle scene with him dancing around, which was adorable, you know, right. to say the least. But then they could move on. You know? <laughs> so Yeah, I had heard that, too. Um, somebody saying that he couldn't stay Baby Groot, like they had to, like, resolve that in this movie. And I was like, you know, I hadn't even thought about that. But I, uh, I have to say that uh, that opening is probably one of my favorite openings to a movie now it's right up there with the deadpool opening and the zombie land opening um i just i thought it was really well done uh, and I, I was with you ryan um I, I didn't think they were going to overuse groot i was looking forward to seeing baby groot but i didn't want him you know a big focus of the whole movie um so like you said them getting him right out in the open early with his own basic you know intro sequence when it's just the the credits and there's nothing to lose or gain by having him there was i think uh, a, a brilliant uh, bit of direction and editing right and it got that you know it it helped pick up from kind of where they left off at the end of volume one you know obviously a little bit further along because Groot was out of the out of the little uh, pot that the he was pot. in yeah um but them doing a job for somebody, so just kind of showing that them continuing on as a, a team is kind of a, I guess, guns for hire or uh, whatever it is that they are as a, a group when they're not being the Guardians. Um, you know, it was nice. It was a good way to get through that battle. Um, yeah. Well, it made it interesting, too, because it was fun to watch the action going on behind him. So you had that, like, that multi-layered action going on. So it didn't, you didn't have to just focus on him. So if you weren't as all into, oh my God, baby Groot, um, you could watch just the action in the background. Um, so I thought that that added a nice level of a la layers to it, which you don't often see in like movie openings where there's like layers of interest going on. So that was really kind of cool. Well, I, I thought it was kind of a brave choice to have all that CG and to have it out of focus in the background most of the time. <laughs> that was a lot of, of money's worth of CG there. And then, okay, now let's go ahead and put it all out of focus. <laughs> right. Well, or the way to look at it is, 
maybe they could spend less time in the CG knowing that it would be out of focus so they wouldn't spend as much time perfecting, you know, a texture on a creature or something because they knew that that wasn't going to be fully seen by the audience. So it might have actually saved them money. Yeah, that's true. Um, that way. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's cool. That's good. Um, good observation. I like it. It was fun. Our, 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 we went to um, a theater with where they deliver you food, and so our food was arriving. <laughs> As it, so I'm like, I was so frustrated because I was like, we're here early. Why are you so late with my food? Um, <laughs> but I was trying to like get my food at the same time, keeping an eye on the screen. So I was a little distracted during it, more distracted than I would have wanted to be for Baby Groot because I didn't no. think he was horrible. Groot. Yum, yum. Yeah. <laughs> no. like, Fries. Right. Yeah. Well, the third theater we go to has um, uh, truffle oil fries, which are garlic. So Cinetopia, then, huh? Yes, it's Cinetopia. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, those fries are so good. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so, what did you think of it overall, Ray? I mean, besides uh, the great. You know, I I left very happy, very uh, fulfilled, and satisfied with. Uh, the movie. The other thing that I would say that I was really afraid of after watching the trailer, because I watched trailers with my students, and you know, it it seemed like um, the characters were trying to be overly funny in the trailer, um, and that really bothered me. Like they're really trying to, you know, overtop the the or push the comedy way oh, over the top, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh man. I hope this just isn't a, a movie of one-liners and there's building off of, you know, the last one. It's like, well, it has to be funny all the time because that's what made it popular in the first place. And I was pleasantly surprised that there was a, you know, a really good heartfelt, you know, family arc throughout the whole movie. And it took you through a, a great range of emotions. And, mm -hmm. you know, there was parts where you were laughing hysterically and then towards the end, you know, getting a little teary-eyed and welled up. It's like, oh man, that's that's deep. So, um, <laughs> you know, I it was it was great. I was able to just kind of shut off and enjoy the the flick, and you know, smiling when I left. So, yeah, I felt the same way. I was really glad it had the um, the emotional depth, uh, which I was. I, I guess I shouldn't be too surprised at because they kind of hinted that they could build that in the first one, although that wasn't the focus of it and so to have so many so much character development in such an action-packed movie I, i'm still kind of in awe of the balance it takes to have the kind of action they had and the kind of tender connective moments between characters that i wouldn't have thought were going to connect to each other right like the the gamora story arc was you know turned out really nice i thought you know mm -hmm. i thought that her character you know yeah she's still you know got an attitude problem but you know at the same time it's like you kind of felt for her in this movie as opposed to in the last one where she was just you know constantly trying to be the better daughter oh. type thing you mean Gamora's sister Nebula oh Nebula yeah that's what I yeah. mean okay cool. sorry <laughs> I was getting the a little sisters, confused the sister storyline yeah, yeah the sister storyline yeah yeah with you know Nebula kind of you know her part with the the Reavers and, you know, it was just, it was nice to see her character develop more in this movie. Um, and, you know, I really enjoyed her part of it. I mean, I, I enjoyed her part in the first one, but I mean, right. I, I enjoyed it on more of a moral high ground level, I guess, on this one. Than, yeah. Than she got, one. she got to have a lot more, um, 
it gave a little bit of her background too, uh, which I appreciated where she said, you know, they're having that conversation about, or she said to, I, I guess she said to Rocket that every time she lost a piece of her was replaced with machinery to try right. to make her as good as her sister. And so that was a good point. And then, and then when she, they, they were fighting, they were having their, you know, um, Gamora and Nebula were having their back and forth where she said, you know, you wanted to be the best and I just wanted a sister. And I right. thought that that was really, that was really deep and a really nice and a really easy and fast way to make that point um, and to kind of bring them together. Yeah. So, and it added depth to why she was, how she was in the first movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. Or how <laughs> she was at the beginning of this one. Or how she was at the beginning of this one. It really did kind of give her that presence and that power. And I thought that that was really nice because it really, because even at the end, she's still like, I'm going to get dad. And you can have, um, you know, only so much of like that one note. Mm -hmm thing without it getting overwhelming and so it gave her a depth that had they not put that in there she would have been like the you know um stereotype you know stock character that you just kind of the throwaway character you don't care about because they only have one thing that's one dimension exactly, that's exactly how i felt about it because when she takes off you know in the ship and says she's going to go after gamora and then you know pretty much the next scene there she is you know gunning for gamora with this ship which that was a pretty intense scene, but I was like, my first thought was, really, the very first thing you do is just jump right across the galaxy and start trying to blow your sister away with a, a uh, an, an anti-ship weapon on a spaceship? And then, well, it like didn't really said, end super cozy at the end of Volume 1 between the two of them, so, I mean, I, right. I'm sure there was a bit of a, a chip. A bit. Right. <laughs> I agree. I agree like a brick? That. Yeah. I, I agree that was the case, but what I'm saying is, is it seemed a bit over the top until she gets that line that Regina was saying, which was, you know, all you ever wanted to do was win. All I wanted was a sister. Then, you know, everything uh, is paid off in that right. moment. Right. Yeah, it all came together. It all had it all had a meaning it didn't have before. Because of course she's angry with her because not just not because she bested her, which is the impression we've had up until that moment, but because of the emotional distance that having to the the competition that he made between them created. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was really cool. Um, I really liked their storyline. I really like, like I said, I really liked the emotion. That was the first thing that Chris said about it when we were watching it afterward. He's like, wow, talk about deep emotion. Because <laughs> 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 it's, you know, think about it. Summer blockbusters, that's not really what you're generally going for. So I think it was nice that they elevated it that way. Right. Well, that was okay. If I'm going to say that was my, we had our list of things that we might talk about. That's my favorite part of this was the fact that they took the time to create the depth of characters and have the characters develop with each other. Um, and I have my cheat sheet here with names because I forget the names of everybody. So Yondu um, and Rocket, like their connection that, you know, kind of came up from being in the cell together. I was like pleasantly surprised over this. <laughs> Well, and like as we find out at the end of the movie, Yondu's just, you know, more of an act than, you know, a super mean guy or whatever the case may be. He really, you know, I think the way that that ended up with him at the end um, was, you know, with Star-Lord and that whole, that whole story thing with Ego and, you know, who's the real dad or who's the real father right. type thing um, really played out well because... 
I guess I would have been really disappointed if just ego turned out to be evil without, you know, there being a whole reason for it. And they kind of hint at it at the end of volume one, you know, of why he didn't take him to him in the first place. And, um, yeah, that was just a really cool, um, kind of in the background storyline. And then again, with the whole family thing, you know, it really just played for the, the whole, uh, movie story arc was awesome. Yeah, I really, I really like that um, because he is—he's kind of in the first movie. He's the last character you would think to self-sacrifice. Like, like you wouldn't have ever thought that of him. <laughs> so I to, don't know. They kind of, they kind of hinted that he had a a, a chewy center because <laughs> remember at the end when he opens up the the thing that he oh. thinks the Infinity Stones in, and there's a the little troll doll in there. He right. doesn't get pissed. He just smiles. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, but I still felt like he had a, his overarching characteristic was, um, Badass. Well, that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but more self-interest, like, like he was more likely to make the decisions that would serve himself more mm -hmm. than, than that, even of his crew, um, which, which, you know, he was willing to, you know, pretty much sacrifice. I mean, they'd sacrificed his loyalists before that. But, you know, he had no problem blowing up the ship and killing everybody on board. Well, they, they were the mutineers. I mean, they betrayed him. At that point. <laughs> right. Yeah, they had betrayed him by then. So, you know, he wasn't losing much, I guess. <laughs> I, I think it needs to be pointed out that I think um, Michael Rooker did a real good job in the role of Yondu. And mm -hmm. I mean, not that I've ever thought that he was a bad actor, per se, but... I think uh, I kind of feel bad that they eliminated his character from the movie because I think he would have been a great one to go the distance and actually did show. They? But did they? Yeah, they burned him up. <laughs> but did they? Yeah, they did. <laughs> they ran him through the thrusters of a ship and torched him. He's little rainbow particles in space now, right? I don't think he's gone. I mean, um, I don't know how they're going to bring him back. I mean, granted, it is a comic book movie and comic books, everybody can pretty much come back. But, oh, oh yeah. by the way, anybody watching this, spoilers. I know. I, yeah. I, I was going to say that at the beginning of the show, but when I when I put the post up, I'll make sure to say. But, I mean, it's a whole podcast devoted to one movie. So, I hope <laughs> people would come into it with the understanding that we were well, going to spoil the outcome. <laughs> interestingly enough, if you look at the, uh, the IMDb page for um, Infinity Wars, He's credited as in production. No kidding. Wow. So, I mean, the entire, that. more or less the entire cast of Guardians is credited in that movie. So I don't know if it's just they don't know or they're just, or it could just it's be a the potential. Movie. They were trying to throw them off the scent, you know, whatever the case may be. But, or, you know, there's always um, flashbacks because um, Peter is, you know, definitely dealing with his, you know, youth and growing up. So it could be. Yeah, but. In Infinity War, that's not a Guardians movie. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't see them going a whole lot, you know, into the backstory of the Guardians of the Galaxy in a movie that's already going to have like five thousand characters in it from the Marvel universe. Yeah, you know, for them taking the time for Peter to have a flashback about Yondu seems odd to me. At what? Why spare the the time for such things? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess we'll see. We'll see. But, you know, like, like I don't know who just said it, but it could be that they just included him to throw him off the trail that he dies yeah. in, in yeah. volume two. So who knows? 
Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. There was I was looking at doing some research on it, and uh, there was a website that was saying that there are ways with the Infinity Stones to resurrect a person. One of my one of my students said that, you know, maybe the Scarlet Witch would oh. have something to do with it. Um, you know, yeah. if you think about Infinity Wars with all the different like talent that comes with that and the powers of those people, who knows? Yeah. But again. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see, I guess. That'd be interesting. I don't know. I love the way they connect all these movies together. It's mm-hmm. even with even with the movies that aren't so great compared to the other ones, I still feel that they are have something to offer to the entire story within the universe. So Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Cool. All right. So other things that you guys loved or shall we go on to things? Oh, do we want to talk about things we didn't like? Well, I want to start with uh, what I loved. Um, okay. I lo- like, like you guys said, and I think w- what a lot of people are saying is how they actually took the time to move these characters forward and actually develop them was really great. And I loved that they really took some time with Rocket. I kind of felt like rocket didn't get enough time in the last movie he was more he seemed like more of a gimmick to me in the in the Mm. first movie i can see that he didn't have a whole lot of development there wasn't a whole lot of time spent on him but i loved how much they you know did with him and yondu and one of my favorite scenes was the part where the ravagers show up and he pretty much takes them all apart with all his gadgets and gizmos and bouncing around on their heads and everything it was that was a really cool sequence yes it really was like and like kind of doing the whole you know pedestal up to see him in the tree like giggling about all all those little (laughs) things that they're about to walk into it's like hey i've made my own personal hunger games here let's see who's gonna survive (laughs) (laughs) exactly and and i think that paid off what we saw in the the first movie because in the first movie is like you know you know, bring me this, bring me that, bring me this, and I'll make something, right? Right. And, and you kind of get to see things happen from him doing it, but they're they're like kind of one big one-off thing. And in this instance, when you see that scene, you see all these little contraptions and gizmos and traps and everything he's got going on. Um, I think that, uh, you know, shows even more of his engineering and, and uh, smarts there when he's doing that. So I, I really, really enjoyed that scene. I was laughing so hard I could hardly stand it. And as for things I didn't like or didn't love or didn't or hated, I honestly there was very little about the movie that I disliked. The only thing that I can think of that I was concerned for a moment, the movie was moving at I mean it's a long movie and it was moving at such a clip though i mean they packed everything in there that they could and there was there, i didn't feel like there's any filler whatsoever um and right when they're kind of in just in the beginning of the third act or in the middle of the third act i felt like they were just careening towards the end and i was like going okay this is ending too fast it's happening too fast i'm not seeing everything I'm gonna see. and thankfully they did um, so I, what I was really worried about didn't end up happening anyway, just for a moment. I so it was like, like the pacing of it more for you that you were kind of thinking what was gonna. Yeah. I kind of felt like they were just gonna, you know, at that point it felt like they were going to wrap up the movie in the next 10 or 15 minutes. And I was like, no, 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 no. There's way too much going on for that to be happening. I don't know what it was about it. I, I was trying to think about it right after we saw the movie when we were leaving. And I was like, what, what was making me feel like that? I don't know, but. 
um, I was concerned that they were just going to, you know, rush to the end because some movies will do that. And I don't like, I don't like a movie that feels rushed right at the end, you know, like, Oh yeah. crap, we've been here for 90 minutes. So uh, right. we better we hit go. the turbos and get out of here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel that way about books too. I hate books that rush the closing, um, that you get that sense that like they didn't put as much time and effort into the conclusion as they did like the first two thirds of the book. I always dislike that. So I didn't have that feeling in this. I felt like, I felt like there was a good space between like the like the big action scenes. So you had um, like especially between um, Gamora and Nebula when her when she crashes the ship and she's trying to get at her sister in that attack sequence, um, and and from there they go down into their like they fall into the underground and find all the skulls and whatnot and have their quiet moment together. And I think if it hadn't had that progression of events because then from there they go back and she realizes that peter's in trouble and then it kind of goes into the last big part and i think if they hadn't had that down time there i think i would have felt similar like it needed that that space that breather mm -hmm. what, so. did, what did you think ray was there anything that you were concerned about in the movie I mean, other than going into it with the baby group but i mean was there anything you didn't like or felt was Offer. Um, I mean, if I was to to nitpick something, I would say, um, just kind of on a visual scape, I got a little tired of egos. Like ego? a little, well, not ego. No, I. No, I thought ego was great. Yeah. I mean, I was sad because I don't I don't follow the Marvel universe. I'm not like a big comic book, you know. Geek. I, guess. Yeah. I don't, don't want to say geek, uh, but. It's not you know, a big like, interest of yours. There I are don't people either. that like can tear apart that story, like oh, well, in this comic and that comic, and yeah. it's like they left this part out, and they should have done this, and why didn't they conclude that? And they left this character. It's like out reading the you know. book before you go see the movie; it just ruins it, you know, yeah. automatically for you. Um, but just like his little uh, when he was doing his little orb things to tell his story about how he went to different planets and stuff like that, and um, I didn't really like on the storyline where he revealed that he, you know, planted the tumor in Peter's mom's head. Yeah, I really didn't like that part. I mean, well, he just it was... It so flippantly. He's just like, oh, yeah, and I had to kill her. Oh, <laughs> it just, oh, it just seemed way. like... Yeah. <laughs> it didn't go with the flow of the movie to me, that particular part. It just seemed, I guess, not very... For, for him being so tactful for the entire, you know, leading up to that, and then all of a sudden he just kind of turns into a... I mean, I know that's when he was supposed to turn into kind of the, the you know, yeah. oh crap moment type thing. But it just, I think it was not very well written, just that part in particular. Yeah. And yeah, just the way that the little spinning globe story things, I got a little tired of that. Um, but, you know, I thought the rest of it was, you know, really good. Like I said, I that was the only thing that really caught me off guard a little bit. It was just like, oh, and when I put that tumor in her head. I mean, I, I guess it was supposed to be a slap in your face moment, but it just it, it seemed just, weird to me. Yeah, it didn't ring true. Yeah, it just didn't seem like it. Almost seemed like Peter should have like figured that out, not him tell. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I don't know how they could have done it differently, but it just seems like more like something he should have figured out on his own, um, as opposed to ego just saying, "Oh, and by the way," because he was being so tactful about hiding the truth from Peter, and then all of a sudden he's just like, oh, 
like this, like he's not smart enough to realize that this is going to piss him off, mm-hmm. you know, type thing. Yeah. So it, it just seemed out of character for Ego, the way he was um, portraying his character, you know, all the way through the beginning. Of I the can movie. agree with that. I, I think I can see from the storytelling point of view, like why it had to be in there. But I think you're right in terms of the delivery and in terms of the character that had been created for Ego. I think I, I think it did just kind of, kind of it, it was jarring and out of place. Well, and, and it, it also didn't have the emotion it should have had. From, yes. From ego, because ego said, yes. you know, I loved her so much that, that you know, I had to. I had to stop going there or else I would never leave again. Oh, by the way, I killed her. Like. Yeah, it, at, the, at the very least, you know, then you should have seen some sort of gravity or sorrow. You know, right. if, he, if he really there should did. should have been weight to it as opposed to him. It was so flipped. That was what right. it was, I think, for me. It was so flipped the way he delivered it. And maybe that was partially direction, um, you know, that he could have taken it down. And maybe they were trying to go for, like you said, Ryan, the, you know, let's Shock. let's hit you in the face with this. But I think the delivery yeah, would have been a lot more. It wasn't the same way. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't a purposeful hit you in the face to the audience. I mean, I can right. understand the impact it was supposed to have on, you know, the Peter Quill yeah. because he's being, you know, mind melded or whatever with the planet at the time. But it's like, it just seemed out of place to me. Just not very well delivered. Yeah. Right. And I think like what yeah. Mark said, there was no weight to it. Like ego yeah. just the gravitas. Like, well, you said it. it was just like a matter of fact statement after it just mm-hmm. said that, you know, she was all this and a bag of chips. Which, on that same note, um, I, I will have to say one of my favorite effects that they did, which wasn't really, there was no CGI involved in it, was the way that they took his character at the beginning of that movie and made him look so young. That was, all, that was all makeup. Was it? Yeah. No, I'm worried about that. Yeah. There was, it was all makeup, and it was the same uh, makeup artist that was with him ever since Tango and Cash, like way back in the day. Wow. Um, huh. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there was some... A little bit of filtering, you know, maybe right. to make it look softer, but they, that was just, most of that was a makeup job. Wow. Yeah, Chris leaned over to me and he's like, is that who I think it is? And I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, but, but he's not that young. I'm like, I know. <laughs> and they or- originally had intended to do a computer generated face over him. And because the makeup job turned out so well, they didn't. Use that stuff. Yeah, I thought that was amazing. I was well, like, it looked wow. a lot more real for that, I think, that it was makeup instead of CGI. Yeah. Which is hysterical because I seem to recall seeing um, a review somewhere on YouTube or something like that where one of the, the people said, you know, I really didn't like the CGI they did with Kurt Russell at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> That's funny. Yes, it's funny. <laughs> But I would have I would have done the same thing. I, I actually thought it looked, the effect looked good. I didn't know it was CG, it was makeup or CGI or one way or the other. But I thought yeah. the effect was really well done. I thought it was as, as well done as what they did with uh, Robert Downey Jr. Um, in the last uh, in what was it in was it Civil War? Civil War, I think so. Where they, where they had him as young um, Tony Stark. Oh yeah, when he found out about his parents the day his parents died. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, and I mean Kurt Russell Kurt himself Russell. has aged well. 
yeah. yeah. You know, just as an older guy, because he's got to be. You have that bone what's... structure. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he did. He did not turn into, you know, like a withered old man, you know, yeah. in his in his time. So I'm sure, you know, with lighting and makeup. Yeah, that's, well, yeah, that's the cool thing about original movie magic, you know, just by using yeah. lighting and makeup. Yeah, mm. I was thinking of it compared to Carrie Fisher in. Um, um, Rogue oh, One, or not Rogue yes, One. Yes, Rogue One. Yeah, no, I was no, 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 not Rogue One. Oh, yeah, it was Rogue One. Yeah, that was Rogue One. Yeah, in Rogue One. Um, compared to that, where Mark and I were talking about um, in the Hangout when we talked about it, how you could, uh, what was it, what did you call it, the Ghost in the Machine or the... Oh, the Uncanny Valley. The Uncanny Valley, yeah, where where you have that, like, disconnect between the eyes and the, yeah, like, it just didn't quite... Yeah. You looked at it and you're like, yeah, that's not real. Well, hers I, was better I, than Tarkin, but right. I uh, thought yes. I thought hers was good up until the point where she smiled. When she smiled, then I, it, 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 it gave it away for me. I was just like, yeah, oh. yeah. But given the emotion that it, you know Kurt Russell's supposed to be expressing in that scene in the opening, I think it it helped that it was actually his face expressing it as opposed right. to the CGI because it would have been lost. Some of that emotion would have been lost in that. Yeah. I wonder what it means for, uh, I was thinking about it at the end of the movie, you know, is uh, Peter Quill, I guess, going to be lessons now that he doesn't have the power of that planet? I kind of feel that's what they were hinting at, was that, uh, um, you know, he was basically, you know, a celestial, and then once uh, Ego, you know, died and was destroyed, that he lost his, you know, tie to that that uh, celestial power whether or not that's true or not i don't i don't remember if they actually full-on said it came right out and said it anywhere but well, it's kind of showed the the light or he wasn't able to like recreate the light beams right with his hands or they went they dimmed out or whatever the case may be yeah yeah just like but yeah it doesn't necessarily mean that he's not going to be immortal so i don't know yeah i was i was interested because his because his dad would his father or ego would have said you know, he had reason to want him to keep the planet alive. So yeah. he may have misled him in saying your power is going to be gone if the planet is gone um, to, you know, f force his agenda. Yeah. Well, and he wasn't able to, like, recreate that power away from the planet anyway. So mm -hmm. who knows? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, um, I love the first one. I love this one. So I'm, I can't wait to see where they go with all of it. So. Yeah, I was I was really happy with how it turned out. It's um, one of the few times I can see a sequel was as good as the first one, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're definitely keeping. I mean, if they hold a bar for this, it's going to be like no duds in the, in the <laughs> trilogy, <laughs> which is kind of cool if you think about it. <laughs> so, did you have any music or song moments that kind of stood out for you as you were watching it? Um. I just like the first movie. I thought the soundtrack just rolled right along in that movie, like perfectly. And, you know, it uh, it basically hung in the pocket to use a, a musician's term. You know, it was right where it needed to be the whole time. I never felt like it was over the top um, or out of place and, or anything like that. Right, and I really felt like those songs where they were really, you know put a, a, a pop on on the scenes they were in. Um, one of the things I liked that they did um, was the song Brandy, how the song Brandy was actually woven into the script. It wasn't just, you know, there, you know, mm -hmm. 
like the song it was yeah she liked the song this is what it meant to her this is what it meant to ego and you know talking about um the significance yeah the significance of the of the song and how it related to um peter's mother and then actually him going along ego later on going on and talking about the you know using the lyrics of the song to basically explain to peter that you know this was all ephemeral you know it wasn't meant to be the the main part of my you know existence there was something else um so i yeah i thought I that was really brilliant it was a really brilliant use of the of the song of the themes of the song of like you said tying the music back in which is nice because you can get gimmicky with using you know sort of um era stamped music the way that they've been doing it um <clears throat> dc but... movies <laughs> <laughs> well there was even a moment where um i can't remember oh it was the um i, I don't know if either one of you are watching the handmaid's tale um but and i'm bad with music so please help me with this but the song from the end of the breakfast club uh, don't you forget about me yes that one lines. like this this the the this series is very somber it's very down to earth and yeah she has this moment where she starts feeling like she's kind of on top of things and it just out of nowhere on one moment that song blares forward and at first i was like whoa and i was like this is kind of cool but then it just like i don't know it didn't <laughs> yeah. work like I, yeah. as i went into it i'm like this is i can't hang with this here <laughs> um so it, it it had that off like i i knew they were trying to you know reach to that that emotion from it and they did need some kind of you know swelling music for that moment but just to have it it was like the first time pop music had been used in the whole series and it's like push and you're just hit with it and i was like ah uh, no mm -hmm. that didn't that didn't do what this is supposed to do so they did you know kind of integrate it in a way that made it meaningful well yeah and and just from the music standpoint not like putting it into the script just it's very smooth yes <laughs> it's like you know, you'll be in a scene and then all of a sudden you you realize, you know, your foot's tapping or you're humming and you realize, <laughs> oh, I'm listening to the chain right now. And I know that was my favorite. <laughs> yeah, that was my favorite song, too. Because I love I love Fleetwood Mac. So when that was, I was like, oh, yes, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> what about you, Ryan? Did you have any favorite music moments or songs in there? Well, I mean, they're all my favorite music moments just because they, you know, don't pick bad songs to be in the movie. I mean, right, all, yeah. all of them fit the, the, story. the movie really well. I mean, being a Beatles guy, I really enjoyed, you know, George Harrison's yes. uh, as they're flying into the, the ego planet. Yes. And they loved it. It's <laughs> like, wow, that was, it's like, it was one of those moments where you're like driving your car down the road and like that perfect song comes on. That right song like, comes on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, it was that is this time. moment right here. It was the first time they'd used any of the Beatles, right? I mean, it's George Harrison, but it's the first time they'd used I think them, so. right? Yeah, so that was I one of I don't remember things. any of the, you know, I don't think yeah. any of them were in the first one. Yeah. I was just looking at the list over here. Yeah, uh, I loved, I loved it. I love the Beatles and George Harrison's my favorite Beatles. So I was like, <laughs> yes, this is great. Uh, uh, but was, it was really cool. I, I enjoyed that they threw in some, uh, some Parliament Funkadelic in there. I was, I looked over at uh, Candace during the movie. I was like, P Funk All Stars, you know. <laughs> so I, I got all excited about that. That was, was that a credit song? I think that was a credit song. Flashlight. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, 
I think it was as well. I like the way they did the credits too. With oh the yeah, music. that was very classy with like the '80s peachy yep. album cover uh, kind of look. And yeah. did you? Know. Go ahead. I was just going to ask uh, Ryan, did you did you catch the uh, while you're watching the credits where you would see I am Groot, and then after a little bit it would actually pop back into yeah, yeah. the actual credit was his name. Yeah. yeah. There was that. There was a little uh, Jeff Goldblum like showed up from Thor Ragnarok. He was in one of the bubbles as the credits went up, and mm -hmm. there uh, were lots of little like you know Easter eggs in the yeah. credits. Which were, and I like the way because I had read something that just had said you know definitely stay to the end of the credits because there's lots of scenes to see, and I'm like, there's lots of scenes to see. How can there be lots of scenes to see? When it's like there was yeah, five of them. Yeah, but 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 that was what I liked about it was how they integrated it into the credits where it rolled some of them and then it was a scene because I was like, what, there's like five, there's a bunch of scenes at the end of the credits, which was nice because like this whole gimmick of having like the the big reveal be at the end of the credits, like gets cool. I mean, everybody's doing it now, right? Um, but you know, you have to wait through all the credits to get to the this big scene. So it yeah. was nice that they had like put them in there. Although, and well, then there wasn't really anything at the very, end. at the very end. I don't think there was. No, was like they the played them all out through the credits. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. played them all out through the credits, and then they, at the end, it just ended. Um, and I guess the tease is about um, oh, who are the the Watchers? The, the Watchers. Yeah. Um, uh, that they're uh, mad at them and have Adam coming, I guess. Is the... No, 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 that's not the Watchers. That's not the Watchers. Who are they? The Golden People, is that what you're yes. talking about? Oh, the Sovereign. Yeah. The Sovereign, yes. The Sovereign who are mad and have um, have Adam. Ego, or have yeah. Adam. I just, you got to give a shout out to the, to the Sovereign just a little bit because it was like, man, did they ever play out like everybody that sits in like a giant gaming group ever. And that was just like, just, it was almost like they, they mixed like the preppy crowd at the high school with like gamers and just like their whole attitude on not the one actually that, being in a battle. The one, that, the one that killed me was at the very end, just when the last guy was left and they thought they were going to get him. And then he got blasted and everybody else is standing around him and they're like oh well good job jerry or whatever his name <laughs> right. like, i would have been pissed i would have turned around like screw you I, it was at least the last one out there <laughs> what are you guys well, talking about how many times have we been in like a like a raid group or something like that back in the day and it was just like yeah. oh 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 <laughs> And it's just like secretly under your breath. I'm like, <laughs> you know, so I just thought that that whole, you know, that whole thing was hilarious. It's just like, right. Awesome. I yeah. love it. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about it that way, but you're so right. <laughs> it's like every well, MMO ever. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just the whole thing was like wrapped up in like, you know, deeper than that, like the entire internet culture. It's like, these guys are talking crap from like, their little home base and you know it's just their little machines getting blown up and they don't really have to sacrifice anything yeah you know well and, and, and they take so, it so personally they do yeah like it's so uh you know it's just like yeah internet bro culture um yeah. <laughs> but you know it's gonna get like as soon as they as soon as she was talking about like how beautifully organized and orchestrated their um their um, society was and how everybody was genetically created and pods or whatnot and all the sexual like uh stuff between her and peter i was like this has got to go somewhere and it's and it's going to be horrible like wherever it's going 
this well, is going to be bad. Yeah, they could have easily not done anything else with that and just had it be like a yeah a, a playoff. If you think about it, what made me think of it was uh, the second Star Trek reboot movie. You know where that whole thing where they're like you know trying to hide from the people and the the Enterprise is underneath the water and they're trying to stop the volcano from blowing up and. I mean, because that didn't really get referenced a whole lot through the rest of the movie. It was just kind of a an intro story. Right. So they could have they left could've. it alone, but they had to keep those characters in there. And I mean, they were hilarious through the entire movie. It's just yeah. like, you guys are ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so awesome. Because it's just like, well, hey, look, it's human nature at its best, right? Right. <laughs> this is the world we live in. <laughs> I don't so, know if you guys picked it up, but the, the whole story... Um, of uh god the watchers like throughout the or the end of the movie where um oh my god i'm gonna mind melt mind blank um the watchers with uh yeah stan. him yeah stanley like oh yeah him telling the story of like every single um appearance he's had in all the marvel movies when mm -hmm. he was a fedex delivery guy and when he was you know this character or that character I thought that was really clever and then mm -hmm. like the end people are saying well maybe he i can't remember the name of the character one of my students was telling me about it like he is like the ends up being like the the universe or the creator of the universe uh character like stanley's uh -huh. that person right yeah talking to the watchers but as the so, watchers just kind of wander off wander as off. still talking yeah very very meta yeah that would be really cool good. though what did you guys uh, think of uh, Drax as the as one of the big comic reliefs in the movie? I, I really it was a big it was. comic relief in the first one too, just with his literal sense, you know. Yeah, him, but, the way him and well, I guess it wasn't it was him and Quill that kind of played off that whole taking everything literally thing. Because mm. Quill's always throwing out little sayings and references. Nothing would fly over my head; I would catch it. Yeah, <laughs> I am too quick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was one joke he made that I and I, it was in reference to how large his um, his poops were, and I oh, can't yeah. remember what the line was. <laughs> my it's poops a, are epic. Yes, I mean I was just like the size of my or poops I have is the epic, most epic, you know. And I was just like, this is so funny, and I wanted to write it down, and I didn't, and I don't remember what the exact line was, but I was just like, oh, that's awesome! I love this. <laughs> I just I loved all of his bits in the movie. I mm -hmm. thought that they were they were really. Um, really funny even though like um you said right that you know it was kind of like oh no we're going to you know this is we're going to see this the whole movie it's just going to be you know drax doing the, the drax so, comic relief with baby groot as like his backup and it's just like oh no please don't be the you know that kind of movie and mm -hmm. i mean in some of his stuff like i would still say the bit that they showed in the trailer where uh what was the name of the gal with the antennas yeah, yeah, Mantis. Mantis, yeah. That, that part they showed in the trailer and was in the movie where Mantis is reading Peter's, you know, feelings. Emotions, and, yeah. You know, and I think she... Drax's reaction to that is still a little too over the top. Um, uh, I as I thought great. it was in the trailer. I thought it was great, especially when Mantis, you know, then goes and does her empath thing on Drax while he's laughing at Peter and then she starts laughing at Peter too. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and I think, again, too, in terms of, uh, you know, what we started out discussing about, like, the emotional connections, watching the emotional connections between Mantis and Drax was really awesome, too, um, mm. especially when he's like, you know, well, you are ugly, but it's good to be ugly, because when people love you and you're ugly, then you know that they really love you. <laughs> and 
<laughs> his like bits of wisdom and then how he's um how it was his his sadness about his family about losing his family that drew her to not just him but to confide in them what was happening mm -hmm. um and so that i thought was a really nice sort of touch to bring it back to kind of who he was in the first movie and and so much about his backstory um that pulled her in in a way that she hadn't been connected to them up until that point you know she'd been kind of like trying to play them like do it can i tell you will i tell you you know back and forth and then it was that sadness and that moment of sort of sorrow that he's expressing the loss of his daughter and his wife that you know draws her her to him so isn't it amazing those how that scenario plays out in so many movies and yet mm -hmm. we still go right along for the ride yeah it's just like all the characters in their separate worlds working out their little issues and it's like it's a, and they're all working out the same issue just in their same different yeah. in their different ways right before yeah. you know the fit hits the shan type thing and it's just like you, you think about it and you're like man fell for it again <laughs> yeah i don't feel like I'm, I'm falling for it though i i when i go to movies like that i want to just relax and enjoy and have a good time right but that's what i'm saying that's what's the genius of that story arc i mean it's been played out in hundreds of movies and we love it you know it's still great every time mm -hmm. it's like they are so keyed in on the human emotion that they can just take you on that ride and that's what was cool about that movie is they just blend it so well um that by the end you're just like wow yeah yeah that was good <laughs> We're trying to process the movie, arc. you know? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Like like I said, Chris's first thing was, wow, there's a lot of feeling in that movie. <laughs> there was something that blows up so many things. <laughs> mm -hmm. Which I think is great because it really does kind of elevate the genre of action films just in general to mm -hmm. have so much depth of story and depth of character and character development because you can just rush through it. And that's usually something that'll put people off, especially in a sequel where you spend a lot of time setting up who the characters are in the first movie and you don't do the same kind of follow through in the second where you can kind of lose people. So it's good that they put a premium on that and didn't, you know, cut those things because it would be easy, right? It would be easy to cut the scene, you know, a couple of the emotional scenes, but having all of them, having those themes repeated really did give it its strength. Well, um, and, oh, sorry. Go, go I was just going to say, I really liked the fact that the two movies in the series so far have an overarching theme, you know, the first one being, you know, we're all broken things and, you know, trying to find our way. And then the next one is, you know, all about, you know, finding your family, so to speak. Right. How those two things kind of, you know, how the one morphs into the other. Um, and like you said, right, they just, they do it really seamlessly um, mm -hmm. and really well, you know, you don't feel like they're banging you over the head with it. I mean, you're, you're aware of it while you're watching it, but it, I don't, I didn't feel like it was, you know, awkward or clumsy at all in the way they um, pulled it off. So, right. Except yeah, I agree. For the, except for the tumor thing, I was like, yeah. Well, <laughs> Could have done without that part. Yeah. I mean, not that part, but just the way that they did that. Yeah, well, Peter, and I think it would have been it it would have been particularly meaningful. And like I said, I don't know the source material, so I can't say it would have been particularly meaningful if Peter would have come to that conclusion on his own because i had already been suspicious of it in the first movie um when she died so suddenly and the had the brain cancer develop so quickly and take her so fast i was like 
And then all of a sudden he was abducted. I'm like, there's, there's something fishy going on here. I wonder if the cancer, not that he had put it there, but maybe her having been involved with him gave her the cancer. Like, that's what I was thinking, like a human in a celestial body. She couldn't mm. handle it. So her brain developed cancer. Here's an um, interesting question that I didn't really think of until just now. Why did he not take Peter with him? Because obviously Peter was already born when he, you know, gave her the tumor in her brain. Why not just take mm -hmm. him then? That's a good question. I don't question. know if that's the case. I don't know that that's the case. He could have put the tumor in her head. Um, before. Yeah, before he left the last time when Peter was still, um, you know, in the womb. And who knows how well he can control a... Uh, a tumor or whatever you could have basically made it so it was something that was going to grow exceptionally slowly or something like that yeah. so that his offspring would be cared for for a while or something right i'm not saying i'm not saying that you don't have a, a point there but you know it is the marvel universe they could anything's possible I guess. you can do whatever they want yeah it's comic books yeah well, uh, did you guys have a special uh, special effect that you liked or anything that kind of made the movie unique that stood out for you? Uh, I think I already said mine, just the Kurt Russell makeup job at the beginning, yeah. using, you know, more traditional filmmaking techniques as opposed to making yeah. sure that you have to throw the computer on him, you know. Yeah, I thought that was just that. really yeah. cool, and I didn't know. I thought it was CGI when it was up. But then when I found out it wasn't, I was like, that's awesome. You know, mm -hmm. the, the old tools still have a place in modern day films. So cool. I, uh, I don't know. The whole movie to me is just a giant special effect. It's you know, <laughs> basically a big green screen movie. And yeah, that being said, though, um, you look at the spaceships and stuff like that, like the Ravager ship and and the Guardians ship and such, they to me feel like they are a living part of the the cinematic universe you're seeing them in you know much like you know um george lucas made the decision to have you know all the ships and things like that in star wars look you know used and grungy and stuff like that so they yeah. feel like you know they're actually part of the of that uh that universe i i think they do a good job of, of that with the uh the cgi and, and i like the contrast too with ego ship being so clean and so sleek and having such a completely different look, which I know is because, you know, he's celestial or whatever. So um, because of his powers, it was different. But um, I was thinking of a Farscape in his ship, like it seemed like it was alive. And I thought that that was a really nice touch to kind of, you know, carry on his power was sort of bodied by the planet and all that stuff. It reminded um, me of the, uh... Uh, flight of the navigator ship if you guys remember that movie just to where it kind of closes up into an its own self-contained seamless i mean that yeah, one where was it just like, like a chrome closes. right yeah. like the doors yeah the way that yeah, right, the, way yeah. the doors closes and and seal where it's not like you're feeling that pressure suck or something like that it just kind of naturally has its yeah 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 that was really cool yeah um my favorite special effect or my favorite and chris hated this but i like the temporal um asteroid field at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> where the rocks were spinning out of control and are they there aren't they there um i mean it was just kind of gimmicky but i really thought it was kind of funny the way that they had it and had them fighting over flying and that it was just i don't know it was funny. yeah I, I liked that that little that that 
that dynamic with the group kept popping up in the movie, like at the beginning, you know, they're all fighting and kind of arguing while they're fighting the thing that they're guarding the batteries from. And then, you know, a little bit later on that it, with uh, Peter and, and Rocket fighting over who's going to fly through the, the asteroid field. And then at the end when they're fighting ego and, you know, it's kind of like, they're not, they're not fighting amongst each other, but they're like, you know, doing goofy stuff like, you know, Hey, Anybody got some duct tape? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that whole bit was if just. Anybody's gonna have tape, Rocket. It's you. <laughs> and didn't like Rocket say like, "I know, right?" or something like that. Yeah, at the end. exactly. It's like, well, then why did we go through this? <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of of ships, is is Peter's ship gonna be like the uh, the Enterprise and just get wrecked every movie now? <laughs> good, right. <laughs> I don't know why that has to be that poor ship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but at least the technology to put it back together is pretty sophisticated. So <laughs> it's not like they're trying to repair um, the Millennium Falcon with. <laughs> yeah, Rocket didn't seem at all like he was uh, under duress trying to fix the ship when they when they took off to go find Ego or whatever. Well, obviously, <laughs> like, he had all that time to make all the booby traps to take out <laughs> when they came, so. <laughs> oh, or the Ravagers. Sorry, Ravagers. Ravagers. The Ravagers when they came. Good. Well, anything else you guys wanted to share? Good, flick. good start to the summer. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good start to the summer, too. I thought it was really enjoyable. <sighs> good, fun, fun movie that, you know. Good way to kick off so, the summer movie series. So, uh, um, and then we all give it a thumbs up, I take it? I would give I it do. a two thumbs up. <gasps> all right. Two thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Cisco and Ebert this. We get six yeah. thumbs. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, Regina, why don't, why don't you uh, let everybody know what we're going to be um, talking about the next time we do this? Yeah, especially right. me, because I don't remember. <laughs> Ryan needs to know what movies to go see. Well, the next one is coming out very soon. It actually comes out, I think it's June 1st, yes? Um, uh, definitely beginning of June, I don't remember. Yeah, exactly. the beginning of June. Um, we're, the next movie we're going to see for June, we're going to be doing this as a monthly series. So Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 was our May installment. For June, we are going to see Wonder Woman, um, which comes out at the beginning of the month. Uh, for July, we have the new Spider-Man, which has a subtitle I don't remember. Homecoming. 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 Yeah, which I got to see the trailer for that during this movie, and it looked really good. Um, oh, gosh. I can't remember what we were doing for August. We haven't decided yet for August okay. or September. So. Yeah, so August I'm and September. really afraid that I have to, I'm going to have to, like, sit here and, you know, try and say nice things about Wonder Woman, you being <laughs> such a huge Wonder Woman fan, because <laughs> I am not giving any hope to that movie right now well and you know i have my i have my reservations although i've enjoyed um the trailers so far i think look good but i'm always worried when trailers look too good um and i'm trying to hold off from it i'm also trying to keep my own excitement in check um and it's a dc movie so yeah that's what i'm saying you should just be like automatically suspicious because yeah, it's a dc movie and they've been trying to chase the marvel coattails this whole yeah. time trying to make those movies be as good as the marvel movies when they should mm -hmm. just step back and make their own good movie yeah i i wholeheartedly agree um and you do not need to worry about offending me i will not be mortally offended if it's you know you have you know questionable things to say about it because i might be right there with you 
Well, and well, I haven't seen. I don't know if I should see Batman versus Superman before because I still haven't seen that movie. Yeah, I haven't I seen it either. Okay, I don't. I don't think you'll need to. I, and I, I, I mean, I, from what I know, she only had a couple of minutes of screen time in it, so I can't imagine it. As the comic relief, uh, I thought she was with you, and that was no, in the trailer, and it was just like. No, she. Uh, I saw the movie. I watched the extended cut, which. It was an okay movie. It really, really wasn't a superhero movie, though. It was more of a thriller with mm. uh, super heroes. Superhero powers. Um, my favorite part of the whole damn movie, though, was Wonder Woman showing up and whooping ass. And because of that, and because of the trailers I've seen, I really have high hopes that this is going to be the one time so far that they're going to nail this and, and knock it out of the park. I, I like Chris Pine, and I'm glad he's in it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I've been, I, I've been trying to stay away from trailers just in general, um, because I'm finding my experience being tarnished just in general by watching movie trailers. And so I like to, I like to be more surprised. And so I was trying to stay away from Wonder Woman, but, um, I'm on another podcast. If anybody wants to listen to me on a weekly basis, I'm on gaming with moms, uh, which you can also subscribe to on iTunes. Um, and we were talking about the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were talking about the trailer and that like, two weeks, a couple weeks ago. So I did watch it for that um, and um, saw who the, the big bad is that she's going to be fighting. And because uh, that's revealed in that trailer. And it does, like I said, I get I, I'm I'm trying to be reserved about it because I don't want to go in. Like, that's one of the reasons why I stop watching trailers too often, because I didn't watch the original Guardians of the Galaxy trailer galaxy trailers at all like i had no idea about any of that movie everybody kept telling me this is great you're gonna love this you're gonna love this and i'm like i'm not gonna i just walked into the movie having no idea what it was and i loved it and i watched all of the guardians of the galaxy 2 trailers because i loved it and i'm glad i still like the movie but it does like there's this whole thing about either getting your hopes up or thinking it's going to be one way and it's not. And so I'm trying to keep my expectations in check for Wonder Woman. So I hope we can have a very frank discussion about it. <laughs> well, I'm going to be the one that's excited about the movie. Um, okay. So you I'm, can I'm, be I'm excited. Big, You'll yeah, be excited. I'm not even a big fan of her. I, I'm right. not a big fan of Wonder Woman. I'll but. be in the middle and Ryan will be the skeptic. And we have the continuum present already. <laughs> Great. And we can swap those roles out as the summer goes on and as we develop <laughs> our rapport for this show. We can we can swap those hats and be like, okay, who's really looking forward to this one and who's not so much? I agree. Sounds All good. Right. Cool. Great. Well, thank you guys for listening. Uh, you can catch our episodes, our watching. Uh, you can catch us on thegeekembassy.com. Uh, you can uh, subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher and our podcast host, Podbean. Um, please check out the website. We have tons of great new content coming out, including a Pathfinder game that Mark and I are playing. Um, so you definitely want to check that out. Um, so thanks for listening. And until next time, get your geek on. Woot. Geeks. Geeks. <laughs>